Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how he calls us today. Each week, we will journey through scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly his call is for our lives today. Welcome to week 19. Here we are at another Bible study week. Now, I'm going to change up the way we've been doing Bible study weeks. This is the first week we will dive into a particular topic over the next few Bible study weeks. If you all like this, perhaps we'll start doing something like this for a book or two of the Bible over a couple of Bible study weeks. So then what are we going to be spending the next six Bible study weeks on? Well, hang tight, and I'll tell you. First, I want to take this time and thank one of our listeners, Mr. Phil. Mr. Phil has done a lot for me and has always been highly supportive of any ministry work I have ever done. It is through his support that I have been able to gather materials for us to utilize in these coming Bible study weeks. He is a great blessing to me and everyone around him. So please, take the time to pray for Mr. Phil and thank God for his blessings of placing the right people in our lives at the right time. So what is the topic of today's episode? And what will we study for the next couple of weeks? We will be exploring the Tulip Doctrine from the Council of Dort in 1618-1619. The Tulip Doctrine comes from the teachings of John Calvin of the 16th century and is an acronym for his biblical teachings. Now, I know that Calvin often has a lot of negative connotations with his name, teachings, and arguments about predestination. And generally, I have found that most of the people arguing against Calvin, Tulip, or anything else quote-unquote Reformed, typically have no idea what they're talking about. They're arguing against the point that they themselves have never bothered to research or take the time to consider deeply. I must admit that some of these teachings are hard for us to swallow, and I understand that. However, I think it is imperative for us to understand this. For the next five Bible study weeks, not counting this week, we will dive into a different letter of Tulip. This week, however, we'll be examining a point that is not technically part of TULIP, although I think everything discussed in TULIP is essentially drawn from this one doctrine. Everything we will discuss in these coming Bible study weeks is only because of this one teaching and this one belief, and that doctrine is called the sovereignty of God. However, before we dive into it, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Thank you for this day, this day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We just praise you and we thank you for everything, for giving us wisdom and knowledge so that we could understand your word, and for granting us the ability to communicate. Thank you, Father God, for just shedding your blessings upon us day in and day out. And thank you for putting the right people in our lives at the right time. We just thank you and we glorify you for all that you do. We pray that in these coming weeks you will give us knowledge and wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, what is to be said on the sovereignty of God in correlation with TULIP? Well, as Dr. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries says in his book titled The Sovereign Grace of God, Quote, at the root, the foundation of the entire gospel of Christ, as presented in the Bible, is one overriding belief. God is sovereign ruler over all the universe. 
end quote. We have to understand the belief that God is the ruler, maker, judge, redeemer, and ultimate master of the universe. And this belief provides us with the basis for understanding everything that we'll study later. And although, admittedly, if we add an S to represent sovereignty of God to Tulip, it doesn't sound as nice. Again, James White writes, quote, I realize that adding the sovereignty of God as the sixth point to the scheme results in Stulip, but that doesn't really doesn't matter. I've seen many a person, upon being confronted with the truth about the sovereignty of God, radically change and altered by the Spirit of God, who had to open their eyes to see the true God in the first place. So even if our, our acrostic is made somewhat less smooth by the insertion of the primary starting point, the necessity is there all the same. End quote. When we look back to the Council of Dort in 1618-1619, we see they organized these teachings in response to a group of men known as the Remonstrants. These men were following the teachings of Jacobus Arminius. Arminius's teachings placed salvation in the hands of mankind and not in God. It was a very man-centric view of salvation and ultimately kicked God out of his rightful place as the author and finisher of our faith. But in large part, the world of the 1600s, and frankly for what feels like up until five minutes ago, the whole Bible-believing world understood God's sovereignty. Yet now we have this incorrect view of God. For, th for the last time in today's episode, James White explains this perfectly once more. He says, quote, he, or God, is presented as someone who would like to save men if only they would allow him to. When we are told that we are the ones who decide if God's entire effort on our behalf, including the death of his son, is going to be fruitful or in vain, we automatically produce a picture of God that is far removed from the truth of Scripture. So we must start with the truth about God before we can know the truth of what God has done to save us. We must know our God before we can fully appreciate his works. End quote. Now, if I'm going to talk about the sovereignty of God, then I have to have Bible verses to back this up, especially during a Bible study week. We can speak about doctrine and beliefs all day long, but we have to come, we have to come up with our support firmly in the Bible. Otherwise, our doctrines and our beliefs are nothing but fictitious aspirations. Looking all throughout Scripture, there are so many instances where we see God is sovereign. It is indisputable. We have so much to read today because I don't want this episode to end without you understanding that God is the supreme ruler of everything. I don't want this episode to end without you understanding how little you are and how big God is. So bear with me. We're going to read several passages. I'm not going to expound on these verses for the sake of time. And even more than that, I want the scriptures to speak for themselves. Pay close attention to these verses and how they attest to God's greatness, power, and ultimate sovereignty. Today's readings will be taken from the ESV or English Standard Version of the Bible. And for our, reading, our readings, I want to start with Isaiah 40. Particularly Isaiah 40. Verses 12 through 31. So again, Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 31. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance? Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? 
Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as before, as are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for its silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them, and they wither, and the temptest carry them off like stubble? To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and see who created these. He who brings them, or brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. What do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. All right. So, while we're still here in Isaiah, I want us to go over to Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. So, Isaiah 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. All right. Our last two readings from the Old Testament today will be found in the book of Psalms. Now, first up is Psalm 102, and we'll be reading Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. And now we go over to Psalm 139, verses 2 through 6. Psalm 139, verses 2 through 6. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, 
and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. That is all the readings we will do in the Old Testament today. It'd be easy to say, well, maybe that is what the Jews believed, but that's not really what we believe as Christians. Obviously, that's not true. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New. The New Testament writers believe this. We can see that in their writings, too, so let's take a look at some of them. So first, we're going to read Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. So again, Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We see that Jesus himself tells us that God can do all things. There is nothing impossible for God. And secondly, I want us to jump over to Ephesians now. Specifically, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. Now, this is a popular verse for Reformed believers. And maybe it's something we can get into later, but for now, let's keep on reading. Next, I want us to read Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And now I want us to finish up in Revelation. We'll finish with Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. All of these verses affirm the sovereignty and awesomeness of God. It's very evident. These are just examples, but it's all throughout the whole Bible. I have to go over this because today's world has watered its down, watered down its view of God. We so often have such a little view of God as we discussed earlier. It's important that when we go over the and talk about the things that we're going to talk about in these coming Bible studies weeks, that we have the right view of God. I hope that this episode today, while a little bit of a longer one, was insightful and laid a good foundation for what we're going to go over in the coming weeks. Pray about these things, that God may grant you knowledge and understanding. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.